Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian nutritionist. So every couple weeks I like to do a, um I like to do an episode on a hot topic that's in the media. And so today we're going to talk about weight loss medications. It's everywhere. So the three big ones we're going to talk about is Ozempic, Wegovy, and Majorno. And why I wanted to talk about this is I feel like I get questions about it. I have patients that are on these medications and I wanted to inform myself um, a little bit more about it. And so, you know, maybe this is something that would help you too. diving a little bit deeper into this and really kind of sorting through some of the information. Before we start the episode, I want to remind you that you can grab your freebie of five simple things you can do today to keep yourself healthy for tomorrow. If you're somebody who's ever wondered like, oh my gosh, it's too late. I'm never going to be able to make these health changes then this freebie is for you. It's a very simplified version because you know I like to do things simply and one thing at a time. And so grab that and you'll get to see some simple things that you can do today that you can make some changes that will help with the future you. Now, before we start this episode, I want you to know that this episode is being recorded in March, early April of 2023. And so what we know about these medications, what we're going to talk about will probably change within the next six months to a year. Um, We know that there are clinical trials underway studying some of, you know, studying some of the effects of these medications. And so as the results of these clinical trials come in, some of this information that we're talking about today may become outdated and may and is likely to subject to change. Also, I am not an obesity researcher or physician, and that what we're going to talk about here is just a way to provide you with with some information that can arm you if you're somebody who's wondered like, hey, do these would these medications work for me? So it's just to really provide you with some information um, and the underlying the underlying message of all this is like that trying to figure out if this works for your life and there's no judgment from me or anything else. It's just to give you the information so that you feel like you're informed to make a decision that is um, that is the right decision for whatever you decide to do. Before we talk about these weight loss medications, I want to dive into a little bit about how these medications have come to where we are now. So kind of to give you a little bit of background information. So in the U.S., there there has been more of a focus and a shifting conversation about obesity. Pretty early on, I think obesity was considered something that was someone's fault, that it was a personal problem, that, you know, I think there was all these stereotypes as that somebody wasn't disciplined enough or that there was something wrong and there was just all of this blame put on the person. And so more often, more recently, I would say over the last 10 years or so, there's been this shift in the U.S. in a conversation about obesity. And so rather than seeing obesity as being something that is so simplified, we now see it for what it is, a really complex medical condition. And so in 2013, the American Medical Association 
based on their decades um, of research, decided to make and recognize obesity as the complex chronic disease that it is. And by doing that, it was able, they were able to really, um, you know, take the attention off the individual and for their condition and really focus on ways to help treat the disease or minimize the impact of the disease. So it's this way making that decision that it was a that obesity that obesity is a complex medical condition was a way to shift the blame from the individual about obesity and see it as the bigger problem which it is. And so this change essentially allowed more research, more funding, um, more studies that were underway to try to figure out ways to lessen the impact. So the goal in all of this was to really get to a place that there was some early intervention things that they could do because I think what the research has shown is that once obesity starts, it might be hard for some people to lose that weight and get back to where they were. And what we know now is that there is some physical changes that happen in the brain that make it difficult to lose weight once you have gained it. So it's not as overly simplified or considered overly as overly simplified as it has been in the past. And so there has been a prediction that by the year 2030, 25% of the U.S. population would have a BMI greater than 35. And so obesity researchers have been trying to develop tools to help combat the effects of this. Um, I, you know, I, it, the goal was never to get somebody to like their ideal body weight, but really to get to a place that they can um, improve health and decrease any complications related to obesity and to reduce the effect and the cost of the diseases that may be associated with obesity and its overall impact on the health of the person. And so at that time, you know, there has been all these, at that time, there had been different medications along the way that were derived from different medications and had been on the market for like a long time. And so then there is this group of um, these, these like weight loss medications, which is where we're at now, these anti-obesity medications. And essentially, we first we'll talk about Ozempic. So Ozempic is this GLP-1 um, class of medications, and they essentially are these medications that have been on the market for about 20 years, and they make you feel full, and you may have some food aversions, and you don't probably eat as much as you previously had been doing. And so Ozempic was essentially marketed as a product um, or a medication for somebody who has um, type 2 diabetes. And so the clinical trials were done for Ozempic, and what they found is that people that were on Ozempic, their 
diabetes improved, their type 2 diabetes, because it's contraindicated in type 1 diabetes. So their type 2 diabetes improved, and subsequently also they found that there was some weight loss present. And so they started looking into these class of medications, um, these GL1 um, class of medications, and what they found is that they act by activating these GLP-1 receptors in three different places in your body. So what they found is, is that this, um, this medication, Ozempic, basically worked in your pancreas by helping glucose get into the tissues, and it was able to decrease glucose levels. So there's the benefit for diabetes if you are somebody who has type 2 diabetes. Then they also found that what it also did was that it had an impact in the brain of the person using it. And how that worked was it helped decrease appetite and decreased feelings of hunger, right? And then the third way it acts is in your GI tract, it slows down the movement of full. So people were becoming more full. So it acted in the pancreas, the brain, and the GI tract. So not surprisingly, these people that are on Ozempic for diabetes were able to lower their blood sugar. They had weight loss. And so clinical trials were underway. And so how that works with Ozempic is people get this weekly injection and they have doses including 0.25, or 2. So they have these doses and you stay at a a dose for about four weeks. So you may start at a 0.25 dose and then you stay there for four weeks. And then you go to the 0.5 dose and you stay there for four weeks. And then over time, it gets you to a place that over a couple months, you're able to get closer to the max dose of the medication. And that is shown to improve um, diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Then what happened is that they started to see that people were losing weight. And so they essentially were doing clinical trials to see what the impact for weight loss was. So Ozempic is now rebranded. So Ozempic is used for people with diabetes type 2. And it's called, wait, so let me just go back. So Semaglutide is also known as Ozempic and Wagovi. Ozempic is is essentially the same as Wagovi, from what I understand. Ozempic was treated with patients with type 2 diabetes, but then when they found out that it worked for weight loss, they rebranded the same medication and they called it Wagovi. So Ozempic essentially is for type 2 diabetes. Wagovi is used for weight loss. And so they did these clinical trials for Wagovi, and they also got weekly injections. And what they found is that the doses could be higher. So with Ozempic, maybe there was just four doses, but with Wagovi, you could start the same at 0.25, go up to 0.51, but then they have this 1.7 dose, and the highest dose is a 2.4 milligram dose. And so the same thing, you stay at the smallest dose you start at, you go for four weeks, you increase to the next dose, you go for four weeks, you go to the next dose, and then you're able, if you're able to tolerate the side effects, you can get to the max dose, and the result was weight loss. What they found is, is that for Wagovi, 
people lost anywhere between 15 and 17% of their body weight. They also studied in children over the age of 12, and I think there was like a 16% weight loss. So it became, and it is this, it became, it is a really big deal because previous weight loss medications, people lost maybe 5%, maybe 7% of their body weight. And at that time, like that was considered really good. But now here you are and you have people that are like essentially losing 15 to 17% of their, of their weight, which is pretty great. Right. And so they essentially started studying it and what they found is is that the older weight loss drugs resulted in some weight loss but the ones on the market now just had a greater weight loss and why it became beneficial is that for ozempic it could be used with other medications too and resulting in even more weight loss so currently the guideline for someone to use Ozempic or, or Wagovi um, is that the person has to be older than 12 years old. So that's kind of like some of the sticking point with this is that there's a new pediatric guideline for obesity. And what they found is, is that, you know, they found children were starting to develop diseases that were normally seen in middle age at a younger age. So children really young were starting to have and develop adult diabetes. And so they felt like, you know, when they studied that maybe children at a younger age would have a benefit of going on these medications um, because it would help decrease their risk of chronic disease and hopefully impact their life and have really great health consequences. So for those two medications, Ozempic and Wagovi, it's used for patients greater than 12 years old. And the, the, what they think works best and what has been studied is people who have a BMI of 30 or greater or those with a lower BMI, so like a BMI of 27, that has another comorbidity such as um, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, something like that high cholesterol, some kind of heart disease. And so what I want you to know here is that Ozempic and Magovi are both made by Nova Nordis. They are essentially the same drug. Um, one is, it started with Ozempic, that was your diabetes drug. And then once they figured out that they could remarket it as a weight loss drug and rebrand it, they 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 decide that it is now going to be Wagovi. So if you're on Ozempic, it's for diabetes. If you're on Wagovi, same medication, it's for weight loss. So because they were having such a success with, with, with this class of medications, they started to figure out researchers that they could combine some other medications for the goal of achieving a higher weight loss. So this is when you get into the Manjaro. Manjaro. And so Manjaro is different than Ozempic and Magovi because this medication acts also on the GLP-1 receptors as Ozempic and Wagovi, but it also acts on something called your GIP. And it's sold and it's sold by Eli Lilly. So it's also a different manufacturer where the other two are um, Nuva Nordisk. Man- Manjaro is by Eli Lilly. And so one of the names of the medication is Manjaro is also called 
terzepatide and it's sold as Manjaro and Manjaro also is used to treat diabetes. They think that it is going to be approved for weight loss later on this year. And if that does happen, then the name of Manjaro will be something different because they will rebrand it as a weight loss medication and the name will be different just as Ozempic and Wigovi are different names. So Manjaro now, because you have the, you have the really good part of it that you have this, you know, this medication that's acting on this GL1 receptor. And then now you're going to have this GIP part of it. Essentially what they found is, is that they were able to get like this dual mechanism of action. And so they found that people were having a higher weight loss with Manjarno. And so that also starts to have weekly injections and you have these starting doses of like 2.5 and you can go all the way up to 15 milligrams. And so obesity doctors felt like you're able to get a higher weight loss. You, this new drug, this Manjarno was able to, Manjara, Manjaro was able to get you past this like weight loss plateau by now combining these two medications. So you had more weight loss, the higher dose that you were able to achieve. And so one of the caveats or the differences between all of these medications is that the Manjarno is unsafe. We don't know how safe it is for people under the age of 18. So the Ozempic and the Wigovi are now part of the pediatric guidelines for children that it can be used over the age of 12. Manjarno is, there's not a lot of research that supports its use on, you know, for anybody under the age of 18. So again, the Manjarno is not yet FDA approved for obesity, um, but it is a better drug in the sense that people have more weight loss than just Ozempic or Wigovi. And so the company is in the process of gaining approval for its use um, for obesity as currently it's being used as an off-label for weight loss because really it's intended for diabetes. Okay, so we clear on that, okay? So the Manjarno is, again, people are getting about a 22% weight loss. With the Wigovi, people are getting between a 15 and 17% weight loss. So one caveat of all of these is that if you really look at the fine print on these medications, these medications aren't meant to just be used and eat whatever you want. All of the labels of these medications say that you're meant to use these medications in conjunction with a diet and exercise program. And so for all three of these meds, you know, it's still that you're making these lifestyle changes that you're not just eating shit and not exercising because you're still probably going to have the same outcome. And also because you have this titration that needs to happen, you know, because you want to start at a really low dose and then increase every four weeks. For some people, depending on what dose they can tolerate, it may take many months, maybe like four or five months to get to the highest dose that they can tolerate for achieving optimal weight loss. 
So what are the side effects of these medications? Well, they tend to kind of be the same and they vary according to individual. The most common side effects we hear about are nausea, vomiting, constipation, diarrhea, overall GI upset, dizziness, and headaches. And so this kind of begs the question of like, who should use these drugs? Um, Who should use these drugs with caution? Well, if anybody decides to go on these weight loss medications, I would probably talk to your physician first. If you have a weight loss doctor, like I live in the Philadelphia area and there's a hospital that's close and they do a whole like metabolic center and they have doctors that specialize in obesity research. And so, you know, that would be somebody that I would trust because they have probably a pretty good understanding of how the medications work as opposed to maybe somebody who's just getting it from their primary doctor. What we know is that the people that are taking these medications that don't meet that criteria. Remember, the criteria is a BMI of over 30 or a BMI of over 27 with at least one pre-existing condition. So that's where the research was done. So if anybody is taking these medications for like, you know, like five or 10% weight loss, I feel like we hear about that. I'm sorry, a five or 10% pound, I'm sorry, a five or 10 pound weight loss, you're there's no studies on that to really figure out what the like risk benefit ratio is because you know at that depending on what your BMI is when they're assessing disease risk there's no research on that so if you don't have other pre-existing conditions nobody really knows like what the impact is because the goal is to help reduce the health consequences related to obesity and if you're in a place that perhaps you're not obese or you don't fit that criteria then what is the benefit for you especially since you would be taking these medications forever essentially and remember that there's not a lot of research on these medications. The most research that they've had so far is about two years or so. And a lot of individuals will need to continue to take these medications for life. They are considered safe by obesity doctors, but there are people who probably shouldn't take the medication or at least should talk to their doctor first before they do so. And so who should not use these drugs? Okay. Well, anybody who has type 1 diabetes, so remember the difference is with type 1 and type 2 is that type 1 diabetes is considered an autoimmune disease um, and there is some damage to the pancreatic beta cells. So you don't want, you don't want to be taking a, a medicine like this because there's a risk that it can impact your blood sugar levels. Also, if you're somebody who is like a brittle diabetic or you're having a really hard time maintaining blood sugar levels, you probably want to talk to your doctor first before you go and take a medication that could potentially lower that. We know that there's limited, um, there's some research in pregnant women, but again, it's it, these are still newer drugs, so I'm sure there's more studies that they need to do to make that happen. Now, the, the bigger ones are, there's been... Um, there's been people that have some kind of endocrine neoplasia. So they found that there's tumors in the the glands. And what they found is it's called multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome. And they also found, and they started adding a black box label to these medications because they found thyroid um, tumors in 
in the rodents that they studied that um, that took these medications. So there was a risk for thyroid cancer carcinoma. Patients with gastroparesis, so if you have um, you know, delayed gastric emptying or you have a really hard time digesting fats, that might you might be somebody who maybe isn't a good fit for this medication, so you would need to speak to your physician. If you have gallbladder disease or you have acid reflux, you may also not qualify for this medication. Um, they found that people who had um, like GI diseases like IBS or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis may not be a good candidate for these drugs, especially since some of these drugs could cause nausea, vomiting, constipation, diarrhea, and just worsen the overall um, GI upset that the patient may be having. And also anybody with acute pancreatitis or a history of acute pancreatitis, because there's limited research to really know what in the long term, if there's an increased risk of pancreatic cancer, there's just not a lot of information about it. And then also anybody who has a history of like acute kidney injury, because there's some concern that you could have some dehydration related to the nausea and vomiting of taking the medication, which could worsen your acute kidney injury. So really here, you would want to talk to your doctor to see if this medication is a right fit for you. So like anything, when it comes to nutrition, it's not a one size fits all prescription. It's really digging into your family history and trying to figure out like, you know, the risk benefit for you. So now let's talk about the pros and cons that have been, that have been talked about when it comes to these medications. Okay. The obvious pro that people love about these medications is weight loss. There was greater weight loss by taking these medications than doing something like Jenny Craig or Noom. These medications were associated with, you know, the Wagovi was a 15 to 17% weight loss. The Manjaro is about a 22% weight loss in comparison to Jenny Craig or Noom, which saw about a 5 to 7% weight loss. And that may not sound like a lot, but if someone's really struggling with obesity and especially obesity-related complications, that really makes a big difference in terms of development of chronic diseases and, and management of chronic diseases. Um, and if you're on some kind of like Jenny Craig or Noom, when you go off those, right, you can regain. And so with the drugs, you know, they were able to see like a greater weight loss, which is why you hear all the hype that you do, um, all over media. There is this reduction in hunger, which people state there's a reduction in cravings, Um, people will say, and I've had patients that talk about like that they never felt satisfied. They never felt like they ever could figure out how to satiate that feeling of hunger. And with these medications, this class of medications are able to curb that feeling. Um, there is some presumed improvement in cardiovascular outcomes And they think a lot of studies right now are underway with cardiovascular, um, like just trying to figure out like what these medications do in terms of decreasing your cardiovascular risk. And it seems to look pretty promising, but again, that's to be continued. We just don't have that data less. 
these hormones, these medications um, regulate diabetes. Again, this is type 2 diabetes, not type 1. They balance blood sugar. And again, they have this like anti-hunger effect, which is why people are so drawn to these medications. Some other interesting side effect that they found was that people are eating less. People who have these like, um, they call them like reward tendencies. So it might be somebody who's drinking alcohol or smoking or doing, you know, something else to get that like dopamine hit. For some reason, when people are taking these medications, they're also drinking, they're eating less, they're drinking less alcohol, they're smoking less, less, and nobody really seems to know why that happens yet. And I suspect they'll, you know, as the research comes out, you know, they'll have more data and they'll be able to figure that out a little bit more, but they just don't have that information at present. Now, some of the cons with these medications is that they are expensive and they're hard to get you have to inject yourself weekly and you have to ramp yourself up slowly. So I think what is happening in when you hear about people taking some of these medications is that they're getting medications maybe from their like physician and they're not having like a team of people overseeing them. And so they're ramping up pretty quickly. So they may not be starting at the first, the the lowest dose, or they may not be, you know, keeping at that dose for a couple weeks. And really you kind of need to do that in order to minimize the side effects. And so you also have a con of the side effects that you have. So some of that may be related to going to gold too quickly, you know, but I'm sure it's different for everybody. Um, you know, another con is that there is no long-term data. We have no idea what's going to happen with these medications. And of course, that black, that black box warning for thyroid cancer. So you'd want to look at that to see if you have a history of thyroid cancer or this endocrine neoplasia, um, which would, you know, obviously be a con for you. And the obvious con is that when you stop taking this medication, the weight comes back. Because one of the things to remember is that you're treating now, obesity is being treated as a chronic disease. So like any chronic disease, if you take diabetes medication, once you stop taking that diabetes medication, your diabetes will come back. And the same thing with high blood pressure. You take high blood pressure medication, it controls your blood pressure. But if you go off of it, your blood pressure goes high. And so much like those um, medications, these medications act the same way. Once you stop taking these medications, you don't have you don't have that impact on the three areas in your body. So you don't have that drug that is you know, telling your brain to decrease your appetite and to decrease your feeling of hunger. And you don't have that drug telling you to slow down how, how fast the food is getting into your body and it doesn't allow you to feel full. And so not surprisingly, then people lose weight or the people gain weight back after coming off of these medications. Another, I think, misconception with some of these medications is that you know, people are going to get to this place that they're like, they look great and they look at a place where they were maybe 20 years ago. But that's really not the goal of the medication. The goal is to not really, it's not so that you can get within your ideal body weight. Certainly, 
you can get there. But I think really what the drugs are intended to do was not get you to a normal BMI, um, but really give you the health benefits so that your health, your overall health and your comorbidities can be improved. There is no long-term there's no long-term studies for these medications. Um, most studies are no longer than two years. And then I think if you're somebody who is really young, like if you're one of those kids that are going on these medications when you're 12, you know, what is that impact from being on these medications for the rest of your life? What's that risk benefit ratio? And, and, and what does that, you know, like, I think that's just trying to figure out like, on an individual basis, what that risk benefit analysis looks like. Um, Again, because we don't have those long-term studies. A big one, I think, is that there's a lot of disordered eating, I think, that, that people think that, you know, there is still this prominent ideal and standard that thinness is worthiness and that it is this gold standard. And so... There's a lot of disordered eating specialists talking about, you know, that some people are doing dieting when taking these medications. And so usually if you're dieting or doing anything like that first, that can lead to some disordered eating. And the other part of that is, is that we do hear people that go off the medications and now they've gained weight, maybe even more weight than they did previously. And if they had a history of an eating disorder, whether it was diagnosed or not, then they had more binge eating or some kind of disordered eating related to being on that medication. And so I think what helps with that is kind of working with a team. So always working with your doctor, working with a therapist, working with a dietitian. I think all of those things kind of help because then if you decide that you're going to take those medications, you can really work on the etiology or the root of kind of what is going on with you to begin with. Because I think a lot of times like we forget that these drugs don't have an impact on our like on our emotional part of what we think about ourselves or about, you know, any of the things that we think about our weight. Um, You know, it's like anything. I feel like when people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to, once I get to this weight, I'm going to be more lovable or I'm going to be able to achieve this goal. And most people that get there don't actually ever feel that way. And there's a lot of disappointment and grief with that. And so I think when you're working with a team, you can really combat that because just because you're at a weight that perhaps you really always want it to be, it doesn't mean that you're going to be happy and it doesn't mean that your body image and what you feel about yourself is going to be any different. And so I think just kind of like thinking about that impact too. Um, let me think what else. So you need to take this chronically. Um, you know, I think what they kind of are looking at now is just trying to figure out that perhaps you wouldn't have to take, if you get to a place where you achieve a, a, a weight that you like, that maybe there's a way that you wouldn't have to take it every week, that maybe you could do it less frequently or kind of be weaned off so that it wouldn't feel like it's like an all or nothing that you've lost all this weight and now you're off of everything. And I think that's why it's helpful to work with like a team because I think it 
really, you can work on all of the things. Like if you're somebody who's struggling with your body and your appearance and your weight, I think it's really helpful that if you're on this medication, you're able to really use that time that you can really address any of the underlying issues that are going on with you or that you feel about yourself and really get to a place that you're able to kind of use that medication to get to a place that you are really working on what it is that's the underlying root and working on some of the behaviors that you may be doing that could sabotage you if you go off your medications. So in my opinion, I think that I think it's helpful to have a team of people that you're, if you decide to do the medication and then subsequently go off, you're, you're using you're, you have a team of people that can support you through that and that can help you deal with some of the things and the behaviors and the negative or limiting beliefs that you have or the criticisms that you have um, so that you're better supported and you have an overall improved um, sense of who you are and that you're not having this like magical thinking that you're going to somehow be perfect once you achieve this certain weight. The insurance, the cost is a really big thing. So it depends. It's some insurance. It's really going to just depend on, um, it's going to depend on what your prescription coverage is, is, is covers. It's going to depend on, um, if the drug is being used as a weight loss drug versus a diabetes drug. And if you have diabetes, um, I looked up the list price of Manjaro and it's about $1,023 and four cents per fill. And, but the amount that you will pay largely depends on your prescription drug insurance plan. And so let's talk a little bit about insurance because this is probably one of the biggest cons of taking this, these medications. So basically what I think these obesity experts and what, what, what they kind of think is happening is that it's going to take time to get these medications um, covered by insurance. And that at present, about 40% of prescribers will will cover some of the costs of these medications, but likely they have to really see the efficacy of these drugs. And that once they're able to get some of the trials, the results of the trials that are underway, especially these cardiovascular trials, and once they're able to really figure out if these drugs help like prolong your life and reduce overall healthcare cost, then I think that there may be a possibility that they may have more coverage, but they're just probably not there yet in terms of insurance com- the insurance coverage for um, for all of these medications. It's really going to be insurance specific. Um, you know, I think the insurance companies are essentially trying to figure out like if they're going if is there going to be a healthy life are they going to be able to reduce their cost and for them it's always probably going to be like a cost issue so if they're able to minimize costs then perhaps they're going to be more apt to cover those medications so now that i've put this all out there let's talk a little bit about the summary of these medications and then at the last part let's talk about like if it were you some things that i want you to think about before you ask your doctor for these medications so first, in summary, remember that Ozempic and Manjaro are the two that are approved for diabetes. So if you have diabetes, then that's considered maybe you can get that cover, you can get one of those covered by insurance because you have the diagnosis for it. Wagovi, on the other hand, is approved for weight loss. Um, and that these 
these medications are used as tools, right? And so you essentially still need to follow a healthy diet and do regular physical activity because you know, you're, that's what's going to give you your better outcomes, right? So the more you're able to do those things, the better outcomes you're going to have on those medications. It's not going to be, these medications aren't used as like cosmetic. They're really used as a way to decrease suffering that people are having, decreasing any health related conditions that are going to intensify or worsen for the patient who um, becomes more and more obese. So the greater the obesity, the more at risk for health related complications and the bigger benefit to take the meds. And so the less obese you are, the less the benefit to take the medication. So that's why it's not always beneficial if you don't meet that criteria to take the medications. Also, there's no studies on people who don't meet those um, criteria. And so someone who is not obese or who does not meet criteria may not have the same health-related complication. So there's going to be a decreased benefit. And again, there's no research data available. So just kind of remember that, okay? And that, you know, if you are somebody who is really looking into this to figure out, like, what would I do? Start to think about, start to think about some of these things, okay? So that no matter what your choice is, you have to figure out, these are my thoughts, really, like, what is the underlying root of your weight gain in the first place? So if you're somebody who is who is binge, you know, who's a binge eater, or maybe you're somebody who's an emotional eater, just because you're on this medication, it doesn't mean that that is going to stop. So you really have to get to the, to the root of that. Sure. It may help you, um, once you start these medications, it may help you feel full, but if you're, if you're eating and you're not really hungry anyway, you're just eating because you feel emotional, then you have to really try to figure out what the etiology of that is, because it doesn't mean that you would have this, the, the impact that you want to by taking these medications and that no matter if you take these medications or not, you still are looking to have a lifestyle change, right? That's why you're here. And so to have the maximum benefit of these medications, you still need to consider that you need to eat a certain way and you need to exercise to get the max benefit and to have that overall lifestyle change that you desire, which is why you're thinking about these medications to begin with. And that losing weight if you lose weight, if you take these drugs, maybe you will, maybe you won't. I guess it depends on what your GI complications are and if you need to stay on it. It's not going to make you instantly love your body and that you still have to do that work to make that happen. So you could take these medications, you could get to a weight that you're like, wow, I look great, but you have all that baggage that comes along from all of those years of beating yourself up and going through all those changes to begin with, with your weight. So it's not a magical, it doesn't, you know, change that magical thinking or those negative beliefs or the self-criticism that you have surrounding your body. And that, you know, we're all suffering here. So if you find that this is something that works for you, then that's fine. I think a lot of times there's all this talk about like, oh, well, she did it, but like she used this medication. I don't think I think if you're trying to reduce your risk of disease, like you have to figure out what works best for you. And I think a lot of why we like shame people, I feel like for either having gastric bypass or for doing these medications is 
I don't know. I feel like, you know, we talk a lot about like, we talk a lot about like, the, like being positive about our bodies, but then we beat each other up when we're doing something to help our bodies. But I think it's because people aren't like, people don't disclose that they're on these medications. And I think it's painful to think, wow, I'm doing the same thing as them, but they're losing way more and I'm not working hard enough. So I think having clarity around it is a way, or like transparency around it is a way to like normalize it and to take any of that like you know, to take any of that shame away because just because you're taking medication doesn't make you less worthy or that it like takes away from what you're doing because you're still having to do and practice healthy lifestyle behaviors to get you to a point that you have these changes too. And so I think sometimes we have that like, you know, that people aren't as like worthy or that they're not deserving of the praise you know, which is very disordered in itself of losing weight. So I just think it gets into this like tricky territory. And then I want you to know that all of this, like all of what you decide to do is a personal choice. And it's based on your conversations with your physician. It's based on what your weight is. It's depend. It depends on what your disease history is. There's a whole big like risk benefit analysis that you'd probably have to go through. Um, And, you know, if you have a history of eating disorders, perhaps this isn't something that is good for you. So there's a lot of different things that I think you need to kind of take into consideration if you decide that you want to go on these medications and really kind of assess for you what that risk benefit ratio looks like. Do you want to be somebody who's on medications for the rest of your life, right? So I think, you know, just kind of really digging into some of the data and being really clear on who you're getting the medications with. And if you decide to go on the medications of working with, you know, people to kind of help you along the process, I think is always really helpful too, which is much easier said than done. But I think if you do have like, you know, anything related to your body, you probably should talk to somebody who can help you with that. And again, most insurance providers will allow you to see a registered dietitian for six visits a year. So why not during that time also meet with a dietitian that can help you kind of navigate your life by taking these medications, especially if it's something that maybe at some point you decide that you don't want to be on forever. So there's a lot of things to think about when taking these medications. I just wanted to kind of provide you with the information that we have right now. Certainly, if you have any questions, you can email me at info at And so again, just trying to figure out what it is that works for you and having um, and being really honest with yourself. I think that's a really big one of what it is that you're willing to do. And I say this because we've talked about, I think our last hot topic was we did gastric bypass or just the different weight loss surgeries. And I can't tell you how many patients I would see that would be like, oh my God, my life is going to be so different. I'm going to make this change. And then they didn't. Or, you know, part of the weight loss surgery is that you have to take these vitamins for the rest of your life. It is non-negotiable. And yet people would lose weight and then never take them again and get these weird complications and have, you know, complications related to nutrient deficiencies. And so much like that, these medications work in the same way is that, there is the expectation that you're going to have to take it. There is the expectation that, um, you know, that they're 
there's just this expectation that's going to be chronic and that if you go off of them, you may in fact gain weight, especially if you don't have the support to help you and really trying to figure that out for you and to see if it's a really good, if it's, if it's what you want to do. So with that, please email me any questions that you have regarding any of these weight loss medications, or if you want to comment on it, um, you know, you can always reach me at info at trisharrd.com or on Instagram at whole health and power. So thank you guys so much for listening and I appreciate any feedback and I will see you guys back here next week. Have a great week.